Hello, all you bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books, a show that gives you a bit of narration from the books I read or ones you suggest for me to read on my show. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me on this journey. So let's continue with Ghost Detective, shall we? After narrowly surviving a near-fatal shooting, Portland Detective Myron Vale wakes up with a bullet still lodged in his brain, a headache to end all headaches and a terrible side effect that radically transforms his world for the worst. He sees ghosts, lots of them. By some estimates, a hundred billion people have lived and died before anyone alive today has even been born. For Myron, they're all still here. That's not his biggest problem. No matter how hard he tries, he can't tell the living from the dead. Despite this, Myron manages to piece together something of a normal life as a private investigator, specializing in helping people on both sides of the Great Divide. Until a stunning blonde beauty walks into his office needing help finding her husband. Myron wants no part of the case until he sees the man's picture. And instantly, his carefully reconstructed life begins to unravel. Chapter 2 A little more than five years before Karen Thorne walked into my office, I was riding shotgun in an unmarked police car on a cold February morning, listening to my pretty partner unleash her latest diatribe about her latest loser boyfriend, and counting the blocks until I can get my wake-the-hell-up caffeine fix. A bit of the weekend snow, a rare event in Portland, still clung to the sidewalks, but the roads were bare except for the occasional glistening patch of black ice the crown Victorian fishtail rounding the corner into Hawthorne. But Alicia, as usual, didn't slow in the least. Might want to take it a bit easier, I said, gripping the vinyl armrest a little tighter. She gave me one of her looks, a look that would have been preposterous coming from someone else, but always seemed to work for Alicia. A sort of Chuck Norris don't mess with me attitude combined with School marmy peevishness. I'm from Chicago, she said. I know how to drive in this stuff. And anyway, don't change the subject. I was saying Steve shows up at my place at two in the morning. While some funky all-woman folk band I've never heard of played on the radio, Alicia proceeded to unload on poor Steve, whose only crime seemed to be that he didn't call to tell her. His poker game was running a bit late. This apparently gave Alicia license to run down all his many flaws, from his beastly cologne to his penchant to laugh too hard at jokes about lawyers to his flippant attitude toward all the New Age books that Alicia devoured like other people devoured ice cream. Hold on, I said. You're picking on him because he doesn't like your books? She glared at me, her eyes so dark that only a tiny sliver of the whites was visible. Even in the shadowy interior of the car, 
Even in the pale light of the early winter morning, her eyes were still arresting. With her black hair cut scalp short, a style she adopted lately after going with the full afro for a better part of the year, all the focus was on her eyes. Even if her eyes had been more ordinary, she still would have been attractive. Petite but athletic, nice cheekbones, skin like polished obsidian, but her eyes were what set her apart. A man had to be careful or he could lose himself in those eyes. I'm not picking on him, she protested. I'm just venting some of my frustrations. And it's not about books. It's about whether we share a common outlook on the universe. Oh, I stand corrected. That's much better. Especially since you've dated him, what, two weeks? It's long enough to get a sense if you're compatible, she said huffily. So you're saying he has to believe in Bigfoot or you'll dump him? No, he doesn't have to believe in Bigfoot. But he doesn't even believe in the stuff that everybody believes in. Like what? I don't know. Like the stuff everybody knows is true. Death and taxes, I offered. She sighed. Elvis still alive and living somewhere in Florida? I added. Will you stop? She said, but I saw her mouth curling into a grin. No, I'm talking about things like, I don't know, like ghosts. Ghosts. That's right. Dead people coming back to life? No, she said. Those are zombies. Nobody believes those are real. Well, nobody's sane anyways. I'm talking about the living spirits of the deceased, souls walking the face of the earth. Everybody knows that ghosts are real. I said nothing. Oh, come on, she said. You've got to believe in them. Alicia, I said patiently. You remember that I'm an atheist, right? You remember how I said I believe in science and rationality and what the evidence shows us? That doesn't mean you can't believe in ghosts, she insisted. I let this inane comment pass without a reply. So you're saying you don't believe in ghosts at all, she said. That's right, I replied. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's all a bunch of hooey. Well, that's only because you haven't seen one. Maybe I haven't seen one because they're not real? What about all those people who have seen them? Maybe they've seen them because they do think they're real? Oh, I see. You're saying what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy or something? Or something, I said. What if I told you I've seen one? I didn't say anything. Four blocks to go until Starbucks. I wondered if I could make it. You don't want to hear about it? She asked. I sighed. Please tell me about the ghost you think you saw. Did see. Whatever. Okay, now I know you're just being cranky. Is it just the lack of coffee, or did Billy kick you to the couch again? Are you going to tell me about the ghost, or what? Ah, Alicia said. The couch. That's what, three times this month? I don't want to talk about it. She smiled impishly. You don't want to talk about it, and yet you're perfectly willing to lecture me about my relationship problems? Must be a white guy thing. Oh, here we go, 
I said. What? You are white. Or don't you believe in that either, honky boy? Honky boy, really? What is this, an episode of Shaft? All I'm saying is that I'm not going to tell you about the ghost I saw unless you tell me what's up with Billy. Promise? I said. She shook her head, but I could see the smile growing. We were different in so many ways. Black and white, a seven-year age gap. Me into Carl Sagan and her into Deepak Chopra. But she was still the best friend I ever had. Even when we fought, it was a good kind of fighting. Full of banter and mirth, not at all like my fighting with Billy. Sometimes I wondered. In fact, maybe I wondered a little too often. Just what it might be like to be married to Alicia. But then, I didn't get to choose such things. That was something I did believe in. As irrational as it might have been, the heart was its own master. The Starbucks was just ahead at the corner and Alicia approached without slowing, the sides of the tires scraping the curb. Fine, she said. You win. Keep your relationship troubles to yourself. But I'm still going to tell you my ghost story when you come back with your coffee, Cracker Jack. I think I liked Honky Boy better, I said. Getting out of the car, I stepped over the dirty snow pile at the curb, approaching the Starbucks without really glancing at the window. A frigid wind swirling up from the Willamette River a few blocks away hit me full in the face, and I kept my chin tucked into my gray wool overcoat. I often wondered, looking back, if it would have made a difference had I glanced inside if my detective training would have allowed me to spot the pending trouble before I walked into the middle of it. But I could never convince myself that it would have mattered. As it was, I swung open the door and stepped inside just as a man started to shout. Nobody move, this is a robbery. The first thing I thought, before I even located the source of the voice, before my heart started to pound and my mouth went dry, was that it was some kind of a joke. Because robbing a Starbucks? Really? But then I saw him. A tall, grungy, broad-shouldered man in a knitted gray hat pulled low over long blonde hair, waving a small-gauged revolver at the customers and the staff. A thirty-eight Smith & Wesson special, it turned out later, based on the ballistics. I knew as soon as I saw the revolver that this was no joke. After eight years on the force, I knew a real gun when I saw one. People always say that time slows down in crisis situations. But in my experience, it's not so much about time slowing down as your brain speeding up. Details I might have lingered on before, the warm air venting from the ceiling, the droplets of water on the dark tiles, the bells on the door jingling as it swung shut, were hardly noticed as all of my senses were trained on the shooter. My vision tunneled out the world, leaving just the two of us, me frozen at the door, him swinging the revolver around in my direction. Because my appearance had startled him, I could see that now. He was swinging his gun in my direction, and there was a good chance he would pull the trigger when he saw me. I don't know why I thought this, it wasn't like I was standing there in uniform or that he could even see my Glock strapped to my chest beneath my overcoat. I should have looked 
like just another late thirties Portlander on his way to some office job. A little too frumpy to be a banker or a lawyer, maybe, with my dirty tennis shoes and odd choice to wear with my charcoal slacks, but certainly no cop. But I still knew he was going to fire. I think I knew it the first time I laid eyes on him. The gun was coming around and I was thinking, what do I do? Go for my gun? Hit the floor? Dive back outside? As he turned, I saw that he had a brown mustache so thick, I wouldn't have been surprised to see it crawl off his face. Both his orange vest, as thick as a life preserver, and his dirty blue jeans had been patched multiple times with duct tape. In Portland, he was just another funky dude in the city full of funky dudes. If I'd gone for my gun immediately, maybe dived for the floor at the same time, things may have gone differently, but only maybe. I'd only a second to choose, and in that second, I defaulted to my standard nature. Caution. I would talk to him, reason with him, try to get him out of this situation without anybody getting hurt. It was the prudent thing to do, after all. As the gun pointed at me, I got a full look at his face. There was something distinctive about him, a certain chiseled quality to his nose and cheekbones, a certain granule quality to his olive skin that made his features seem both the model of human attractiveness and not human at all. It was like the face of a statue, lightly powdered with makeup but fooling no one. His eyes were dull and dead. They fixed on me with all the sparkle of lead balls. Wait, I said. It was the only word I managed to get out before the pop of his revolver rang out, and my whole world changed. And I'm going to leave you with some things other people are saying about this book. Catherine Cunningham, Amazon Top 500 Reviewer, says, It's very rare that you find a novel that's funny and sarcastic and poignant and scary all at the same time. In Ghost Detective, Scott William Carter pulls all four off with amazing aplomb, a gripping, wonderful read, and I definitely look forward to the next Myron Vale novel. Highly recommended. Christine Catherine Rush, a Hugo Award winner author of The Disappeared, says, Scott is one of those rare writers who can and does cross genres and do it well. You never know what kind of story you'll get from him, but you do know that it will be good. So next week, we are going to continue with Chapter 3 in Ghost Detective. Well, that concludes my episode for today. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to me talk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like my podcast, please subscribe to my show or send me an email to justvicvoice at outlook.com. That's J-E-S-S-V-I-C-V-O-I-C-E at Outlook.com with suggestions of books for me to read on the show. 
Thank you again, and please join me next week on Oh, for the Love of Books. And as always, dream big and keep reading.